you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. different uh, speech forms that happen in this time of, of worship services across the world. Uh, the one you're probably most familiar with is a sermon, especially in the Protestant tradition. Uh, someone gets up front, takes a text, walks through it, usually gives you two or three stories to kind of kind of zhuzh it up a little bit, right? But, but spends somewhere between 15 and 24 minutes uh, talking about uh, this passage. There is a homily, which if you grew up in the Catholic Church, if you're very familiar with that tradition, it's a much shorter form of reflection on scriptures, usually like seven to 11 minutes and much less story-filled, and much more, hey, let's just talk about this text for a minute and then point to the Eucharist. Uh, a, a form we don't particularly use very often is also testimony, uh, this chance where someone comes and bears witness to the work of God in their lives. Uh, earlier this week, I had a sermon ready for today, um, and then uh, about Thursday or Friday, I started, I'm going to change this to a homily. We're going to make this thing shorter and sweeter and uh, just really to the point with the scripture, and I found myself this weekend shifting to testimony as the, the form I can bring today. Um, we're in this series that has uh, been through the means of grace, where we look at are these ordinary ways that God can speak uh, to us and lavish us in grace. We've talked about the church as a body. We've talked about the church and sacraments as uh, kind of part of what we do. And this week, uh, the sermon was going to be the word of God and prayer. And you, you can look at the scriptures in there, and they are very particularly chosen uh, to talk about the way God reveals God's self. And uh, it's going to be a good sermon. I mean, I, I had some good stuff ready, um, but, but I haven't been able to let go of this feeling that I just want to talk to you about my daddy, uh, because this Sunday, this reflection on scripture and prayer as a means of grace, uh, my whole understanding of it has been shaped by my daddy. Dad grew up, he was born in Los Angeles, California, California West Coast guy, uh, and then uh, moved pretty quickly to Lodi. Uh, in Lodi, there's a, a campground for the Baptists. It's kind of like Southern... Uh, Lake Junaluska is for the Methodists, it, it's, it's uh, this for the Baptists over there. And he grew up on the campground around these people who told you that if you danced or smoked or drank or played cards, you were going to hell. And so this is it's just the landscape of where he grew up, okay? Very God uh, causes everything to happen. You need to do these things. Uh, um, very uh, strong statements that got him pretty... Uh, tied up in knots about how God functioned, right? Because, of course, his friends played cards and smoked and drank and they liked to dance, and, and well, if that's going to send you to hell, this is problematic. Uh, Dad grew up with an eclectic family who all had some form of religion. Uh, some of them, it was going to the Baptist church. Some of them, it was uh, going to the Methodist church. And for a lot of them, it was watching wrestling. They'd, they'd watch that on TV and debate whether it was real or not, um, Apparently his mother and his aunt just couldn't speak about wrestling because the aunt just swore that it was real, that everything they did was real. Um, 
Dad's, dad's mother is probably the most uh, profound influence on his spirituality. Margaret Fleming uh, was dad's mom, and uh, she and he bonded in ways that are, um, that I don't think I've fully understood um, even to this day. She uh, was the person he could talk to. She was the one who uh, taught him art, and while, while other people were out doing their things, he and, he and mom would, uh, his mom, would paint and talk and reflect, and, and it seems that much of his spirituality came from kind of sitting at her knee. But dad eventually uh, grew up, went through high school, uh, went to junior college to do industrial engineering, um, and then two years into that degree decided, I'm going into the Marine Corps. Dad, my motorcycle racing, woods firefighting, industrial engineering dad, decided that he was going to join the Marine Corps and uh, fly bombers. Uh, this was greatly needed at the time. Vietnam was clearly on the horizon. Dad uh, uh, quickly got uh, deeply embedded in the culture of the Marine Corps. He became an A6 bomber uh, pilot. He can tell beautiful stories of, uh, of what that meant and the conflicts he had in his soul about being a bomber pilot. Um, he can tell stories of how he is still profoundly uh, disturbed by some of the things they did, and yet at the same time he can tell you stories of of literally the person that I think of as my uncle being alive because dad suppressed the enemy around him. This was uh, clearly a really formative time in dad's life. It's a time where he learned all the vices really well. Uh, if, you, if you haven't heard about the Marines, they can be a rowdy bunch, right? Some of you Air Force people, Army people are like, yeah, I'm in service, but the Marines. And yet at the same time, he had connected with this group called the Navigators. This is a kind of parachurch, outside of the church group, who uh, really connects with military bases and with military folks, and, and they've got a number of things they do well, but they, they especially do well of coming alongside uh, these service members and making sure they know that they're known and they're loved. And then they tell them that, that maybe the best thing you can do, especially out here in this, this war, this, this battle possibility, is to memorize scripture. And so the navigators have the topical memory system that you can buy to this day at Barnes & Noble. You go in and you tear your cards out and they've got a pattern for you to learn scripture. And you start with like 50 little teeny note cards and you memorize those 50 and then you can buy expansion packs. It's like Pokemon Go. Uh, you, you get the base deck down and then you just keep going. And, and this became something that throughout the ebbs and flows of dad's spirituality, he would come back to these memory verses. Now, sometimes they're just completely divorced from context and you're like, that's not actually what that passage is about. But it was deeply ingrained in him was the vocabulary, vocabulary of Scripture. Uh, motorcycle driving, firefighting, A6 flying, uh, Captain Donald S. Foster started to lose his vision not long after his uh, tour of Vietnam was over. We knew, or I'm not alive at this point, they knew that there was some genetic thing in their family that... Uh, caused them to lose their sight. We, we eventually learned it's called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, but this, uh, this dude could no longer do the things he wanted to do. He couldn't drive a car. He couldn't fly a plane. He couldn't uh, tour the mountains on a motorcycle. Um, and his life dramatically shifted. He uh, took a, me uh, a full medical retirement, and then he had the GI Bill just sitting there, uh, what do you want to do? At the same time, he meets mom and falls in love with her, 
they get married really quickly after they meet each other. I tried to get married to Felsha as fast as mom and dad did, and she made me wait six months to even propose. But mom and dad got married very quickly and moved to Greenville, North Carolina, where they uh, kind of set up shop. My sister was born uh, like a year into their marriage. Mom starts teaching, and dad does a bachelor's and master's in fine arts. So he's blind. He is, he is nearly blind even in the, the late 70s, and he can get this close and paint. He does these giant, there's one in my office that my, my dad had done, these giant paintings and then these intricate little pots. Mom's working, dad's at home, and so he takes on the domestic responsibilities. Dad cooked, and dad cleaned, and dad did laundry, and dad fed us snacks when we got home from school, and dad watched with binoculars, even though he was really visually impaired, to see what we were doing after school. It was dad who found our fort where we had started drinking and smoking. It was dad who caught us doing every single thing wrong we ever did wrong. Talk about a sidetrack, but dad being home all those years was a good thing for my uh, not getting in broader trouble than I did. Um, and, and he never complained about this. He never griped about how what he dreamed his life was going to be was ripped apart from him. But uh, in this time, he, he begins to draw upon the things that his mother had taught him and the things he had learned in the Navigators, and he figured, I've got a bunch of time. The kids go to school, the house isn't but this messy, and he, you know, my house is never clean. We have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. It is just never completely clean. Somehow, our house was always immaculate, and then he would landscape the yard, and he'd still have plenty of time. So he leaned back into these things he had been taught. Uh, and he, he practiced the spiritual disciplines a lot. Dad would go out into his painting studio and turn on uh, some music, and he'd calm down, and then he'd, uh, every day he'd read huge chunks from the New Testament and huge chunks from the Old Testament, and then he'd work his memory verse cards that uh, were now frayed and tattered, and, and you'd see these, these uh, marks of years and years of reflecting on Scripture. He had a prayer book where he just, anytime somebody said, I need prayer for X, Y, or Z, he'd write them down, and they would just be prayed for in perpetuity. Uh, he would often tell somebody, like, you know, you're on, like, page six of my prayer list, but I'm getting to you. Um, he would pray uh, for hours, the Lord's Prayer, just line by line, and what does this bring uh, to mind? He did these things, but he did them because he felt like he had gotten off a path in the military, that maybe he wasn't good enough, and these things that his mother had taught them might not be true, and that he needed to make sure he got his life right for God. And so the way you do that is you do more things, right? You read more scripture, and you pray more, and you go do more activities at the church, and this is how you earn God's favor. This is a lot of my father's adult life. I've got I've to be better. I've got to read more, and I need to pray more authentically, and I need... Uh, to do more things at the church so that uh, I can earn God's favor. It didn't matter who said, hey, Lenny, God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. God is a compassionate God. He still felt this uh, sense of, but I'm not worthy. And so he just kept leaning into these things. And friends, it is not until I am in seminary that he begins to let, let go of this. To hear this message that uh, God would say, you are enough, and you are entirely worthy. There's nothing you have to do to earn my love. And overnight, it transformed his understanding of prayer and scripture. 
these means of grace that we would call them really were spiritual disciplines for him beforehand. There were things he, he had to do, but they became things that he longed to do because they became ways that he actually experienced God's grace. In his later years, uh, often we would talk about what it was like to grow up with dad as the religious figure in my life who uh, did these things because he felt like he needed to earn. And so it really did. It, it played out in my life. I grew up in the height of the quiet time movement in the, YM, or the UMYF groups in your church. This was a really big thing in the 80s and 90s uh, to, to go to youth and be like, have you had your quiet time? You need to have your quiet time with this, like, if you don't have your quiet time, you're a terrible person kind of undertones. And I, I embraced daddy's uh, sense of... Uh, unworthiness of God's love and, and would try to earn it by doing things right. I've told you this. And then uh, we would fail, right? So every night you'd have to pray like, God, I'm really sorry. I won't do that thing again and I'll pray more and I'll do more if you'll, if you'll just forgive me. And it took me uh, getting out into college and meeting uh, one of my mentors in ministry to, to understand God's grace for myself. For most of my life, it was I need to do these things to earn God's favor I need to do these things because this is what good Christians do in order to make sure that they are, uh, like, the cosmic scales are good enough, or are weighted enough that I can go to heaven. Dad and I found grace at a pretty similar time in our lives. Um, we found a God who, uh, who says, I love you. No matter what you do or have done, I love you no matter uh, which of these disciplines you keep. I love you no matter how long it's been since you've even prayed. Um, there's nothing uh, you can do that will make you love you any less. We found this uh, together, and it was a weird thing because uh, Dad softened overnight. Captain Donald S. Foster, United States Marine Corps, was a, uh, a little gruff when we were younger. I, I, he would own that. Um, we, we, we had a little bit of friction growing up, but somehow when we both found the grace of God, things just changed overnight. Um, and in these last years, especially since Mama died, we've had these beautiful conversations about what does it mean to come to Scripture and to come to prayer? What does it mean uh, to, to let God speak to us? When we talk about means of grace, we're talking about something that God is doing in the work, even though we're opening up the text, even though we're praying, even though we're coming to the table, even though we're coming to worship, God is the one lavishing you and me and my daddy with grace and love. We, we begin to understand together that uh, our quiet time, our daily devotions, our whatever you want to call your, your time of uh, word and prayer was not this thing that we had to do, but it was the thing that we got to do. And that sure took a lot of pressure off. You know, when we had Josiah, I had become pretty... Uh, rigorous in my daily readings, but once we had Josiah, there was like six months, I didn't touch a Bible. I'm a pastor at this point, y'all. Like, I wasn't opening up my Bible at any time during the day and like reading it, and my prayer life was struggling because it was just all I could do to keep every day going, right? I love Josie. I love this kid, but he was a hard little kid, and it made the disciplines hard to do, and uh, I remember Dr. Stratton, former pastor uh, as part of our church, kind of a, a hero of faith, saying, God loves you whether you open that Bible today or not. You were, you were doing a good work with your son right now, and God loves you. And, and what it has meant is that I have found God in new and mighty ways in Scripture and in prayer. I've been thinking about how I would 
describe what even happens in these moments. And, and I've, I've come back to the catechism, and I've come back to some podcasts we've done, and, and I think the, the sermon was going to be on God's revelation, that uh, God meets us in grace at the table. God meets us in grace here. But these, these uh, scripture reading and prayer become uh, really the, the primary ways God reveals God's self today. The author of Hebrews talks about how God revealed himself in those days. You know, in times of old, God revealed himself to the prophets and the teachers, but in a later day, he revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And the, the author of Hebrews goes on to spend the whole book talking about how Jesus was the perfect revelation of God to the world. And yet, uh, Jesus does die, is resurrected, and ascends, and the church is left with a new task of understanding how God reveals God's self. And so we get these New Testament letters that paint a picture of God revealing God's self uh, through the life of the church and through his spirit. We get all these little letters like uh, Timothy and Titus and Philemon. We get some bigger ones like Ephesians. We get a little bit bigger like the Corinthian ones. And then we get even bigger like the book of Romans. And yet all these are, are little snapshots of tiny little churches going through their stuff. In almost every one of them, there's some problem a pastor is writing to his church about and saying, I think you've misunderstood how God has revealed God's self. And often it's because they're being selfish with their money. You need to give money to the, the church in Jerusalem that is struggling. Uh, if, you, if you aren't understanding this, you're missing what God was trying to reveal God's uh, self to you. Uh, and for me, it's been fun to look at those letters and think, Andover is bigger than virtually every one of those churches. Uh, the church in Rome might be about our size, but, but you know, the church in Corinth is not, it's not Southland, it's not Crossroads, it's like a big Sunday school class with problems and learning how to, to live in a post-Jesus uh, emergent spirit time. And so God reveals themselves in, in, in uh, the spirit and in these churches, and then we get this kind of final form canon that becomes for us Something important, right? We're not going to do this exercise because it gets a little bit, a little bit wonky sometimes. But like, what is the Bible? That's a, that's a reasonable question, right? If, if if there's somebody who's never experienced it, never never uh, read it, has not been part of a church, and they say, "Hey, Marilyn, what is the Bible?" I'm not putting you on the spot, Marilyn. Or they look back and they go, "Nona, you've been reading this thing a long time. Tell me about this. What is this Bible?" And they go, "Kathy, you." You, you talk about prayer a lot. What, what is prayer? And these are things we know, but often we don't even have the tools to talk about what they are, right? Uh, you know, we might turn to the Bible and say, well, it's a collection of stories. We might say it's uh, the story of God's people. I mean, there's a book out there called The Story of God, The Story of Us, which has been pretty impactful. We might say it's the living word of God. And they'd all be true, right? What is it? It's, it's history, it's theology, it's narrative, um, narrative literature, it's, it's all these things. But, but I'd like to suggest that, first and foremost, it's the revelation of God to us today. That through the Spirit speaking to us, we are offered a fresh word here that is grace-filled and to help us know a God who is merciful and compassionate, who is gracious and uh, faithful to his covenant. That is, God revealing God's self through the Spirit every time we come to this text. And that in many ways, prayer is, is the same thing. It's the revelation of God to us as we sit and offer ourselves to receive the word that God would have. And as we offer our lives and our, our struggles and our joys and everything to God, it's God revealing God's self back to us. 
not so that we can earn anything, not so that we can be good enough, not so that we can check the cosmic scales and know that we are okay. It's so that we can draw nearer to this God who loves us. Friends, I don't know what your experience are with these, but Dad and I spent a lot, way too long, finding scripture and prayer as a, as a weighty thing that held us down. I'd love to invite you to see these as the revelation of God for you today, as a means of grace, a thing where God says, I will meet you there, that I might reveal myself more, that, that the Spirit will come upon you and in and, and whatever ways God might make God's love more clear to you. If, if scripture reading and prayer has felt like a chore for you, or a burden, or something that makes you good enough, I'm sorry, because I know what that feels like. I'd love you to be set free from that today, and to understand uh, the God who has a light yoke. The God who my daddy found uh, far too late in his life. A God who uh, wants to take your burdens and your struggles and say, I am here with you. I'm incredibly thankful, incredibly thankful for a father who would be vulnerable enough to say, I've gotten it wrong all these years. Let me tell you what I've learned about grace. Let me tell you how uh, 60 years later my prayer life has changed. Let me tell you about God, how, how I know God now. And I hope we can be that for each other. I hope we can uh, tell the story of the way God is revealing God's self to you and to you and to you. And I think that might, uh, I know, that will transform us as people and will transform us as the church. If you are finding these means of grace weighty and hard, I would love to talk to you. I'd love to journey with you. And even if it means we have to say, we're going to just, we're going to put them aside for a minute and talk about who God is. I would love to do that. And there are saints all across this room who have gotten there probably before I did. Folks who have uh, understood what it means to offer up deep prayer hopes, to, to come to the text and just to experience God's revelation. They would love to talk to you. A Sunday school class, a small group, a Wednesday night study, a covenant group, a uh, spiritual formation group on Wednesday. I mean, there are abounding opportunities for us to come and talk about this gracious and compassionate God. Don't wait. Uh, don't wait till then. I hope you meet him now. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, so often we have uh, felt like we have to be or do, that we uh, are the ones who have to earn your love or to keep uh, things in check, that we uh, have, um, we have the weight of responsibility. We thank you for the ways in which you are uh, the one who first moves, that you are gracious and compassionate, you are slow to anger, you are abounding in faithful love, that you uh, come in mercy and grace, that you meet us in peace, that you are truthful, that you are all of these things that we struggle sometimes to imagine. And we thank you that you meet us uh, in the text, that you meet us in prayer, that you Come and meet us when the church gathers and that you meet us at this table. Lord, would you lavish us in your grace and set us free from any, any bit of bondage to 
uh, earning our way, any bit of uh, holding on to working hard enough. Help us see you more clearly today. We love you and praise you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.